Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I, I trust that I will be invisible and that um, uh, and that the spirit will really speak this morning. Um, I uh, I had a deep sense during worship that God wants to do surgery this morning, and in order for us to be ready for surgery, we need to be healed from our colds and we need to be cleaned from our filth and. Um, we actually need to prepare ourselves before surgery. Um, so, yes, Lord, uh, this morning I just want to dive in and, and call on the name of Jesus for every person here this morning. I, uh, I pray the blood of Jesus to heal us from our sins, to forgive us to free us from our past, free us from ourselves, free us from our mistakes. Come and clean us, Lord, and, and when we're clean, um, come and do surgery in our hearts and come and change us, Lord. Shape us into the living stones that you plan for our lives. And may your will be done, Lord. You are God. You are God, not us. We are not God. You are God, Lord. We want to proclaim that over our lives this morning, and we just want to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we, are, we have a menu of solid food. Are you okay with that? No, not just a breakfast shake. We are going to have a steak from the Word of God. And um, so, yes, uh, we are going to read quite a number of scriptures this morning. So please bear with me. Um, I think we, we really need to, to eat the word this morning. Um, so, are you fine with that? Do you agree? Shall we do that? Um, because I am concerned that for many, many of us, um, we don't, do not read the, the hard copy so much anymore. Uh, we rely on Facebook feeds or social media feeds, scripture coming, you've got the right friends, so they post the right scriptures and and uh, yeah, maybe it's not, not, not really much more than cyber bookmarks with beautiful sunsets and teddy bears. And I don't know if it has enough substance for us to live our walk with God, whether it's got enough nourishment. So, um, yeah, and those things might be nothing more than motivational speech, soothing our self-serving messages or serving us with self-serving uh, messages to encourage. So, I mean, it, it may have its place, and, 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 and sometimes God do speak powerfully through a simple thing that you've received, but, um, but it can't be the sum total of our Bible reading, and, um, and our work with God should be more than that. So this morning we speak about what the Spirit laid on my heart and... I checked it with Christopher and with Murray and, and so on. We're going to speak about suffering, um, the storms in our lives. And um, last week, Christopher mentioned crisis, that it seems like we either come from crisis or we are in a crisis or we are heading into a crisis. And maybe some may think this morning, yeah, that doesn't s s sound like speaking life, but 
Yeah, and, and, and some might say, no, it's, I mean, suffering is not for me. It's not for us. We are born again. We, we've, we've been included in the cross. And, and we name it and claim it, suffering is not for us. Okay, so we might have different opinions about suffering this morning, but what is important is that our opinions don't really count. It's what the Word of God says about suffering and what we need to understand this morning uh, from looking at what the Word says. Um, so, why is there suffering if God is a God of love, some ask? Uh, why do Christians suffer? Aren't we supposed to be free from suffering? Um, so we are going to look at the lives of Paul, lives of Peter, of James, some Old Testament, Daniel, David, and we're going to listen to what Jesus says. So are you okay? Are you ready? Do you have your seatbelts on? Huh? Okay. Right. So let me start by asking the question. So what does a model Christian life look, look like? What is the ideal, perfect story for a Christian? Okay, maybe one could say, maybe a good start, good secure start, going from strength to strength, prospering without resistance, no lack, no harm, no worries, no hurdles. You name it, you claim it in faith. Um, ample resources, good health, good reputation, Maybe a good leader, having great following, good life, uh, a life testifying of zeal, good knowledge of the Bible, right living, good results, a life so successful, climbing the ladder of life, it's clear that God is with you. You are the choice of men, the choice of women, you've got a good name. Does that sound like a model Christian life? Or is that... Qualities based on worldly success. Right. So let's start with the first scripture. It's, it's like a CV. It's like a CV of Paul. And um, you all know what a CV is. A CV gives an, a, a short account of your life so far. What it's like. Okay, so we read the CV of Paul in Philippians 3 verse 4 to 6. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm also circumcised the eighth day, check, of the stock of Israel, check, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Wow. A good CV, eh? Right, opspraak, wekkende opgang, allemaal weet van hom, hulle neem kennis van hom, navolgenswaardig. Okay. And he's still young, and, and, and he thrives under responsibility, but he's going from strength to strength, and there is no one in his way. Uh, he's, he's on a trajectory of life that, that seems solid and, 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 and purposeful. All right. But then there's another place in the word that we also read a CV of Paul. Don't know if you know that. Okay, so let's uh, go to that um, uh, 2, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two. 22. 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. It almost sounds like the, the, the other CV as well. But then, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 195. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys, often in perils of water. Perils isn't those little round things in, in oysters, no? Perils is... <laughs> perils is real dangers. Life-threatening situations. In perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of own countrymen, perils of Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren. Life-threatening situations all over. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then he completes it by saying, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. So, for anyone, you can't, you can't apply for a job with an old CV. Sometimes you have to refresh your CV. But what has, what has happened in the recent sort of past now? What has happened in the meantime? Now, this is like a second CV of Paul. We've seen the first one. This is the second one. And um, shall we appoint him as our model Christian this morning? Based on this. What has gone, gone wrong in his life? Now, maybe this morning he comes for the interview as our model Christian. He's full of scars. We ask him, is this true? Is this your life now? Is this what it has come to? He says, yes. And we say, but, but in the beginning we know that there has been some good, good things said about you. And... and and now this, is there anything, is there any strong point you can mention this morning? Is there anything you can boast about? Then he says, only my infirmity. My tekortkominge, my swakhede, my gebreke. That's all I can boast about. So what has happened between the two CVs? He encountered Jesus. He met Jesus. And his life took a different direction. So, we're going to switch back to the previous CV, or what he said after that. We get an explanation in Philippians 4, sorry, Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11. When Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. So, Allah goeie hoedanighede waarvoor ek bekend was, beskou ek nou as verwerpelik, verwerpelik, amper so stink baba doeke, draai my rug daarop. I've turned my back on all my strong points. But why? He says it here, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. 
Secondly, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And thirdly, that I may share in the fellowship of his sufferings. So, so Paul understood that it's a bit of a trade-off. I'm willing to turn my back on my own strong points for the sake of to gain Christ and be found in him. To know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may share in the fellowship of his sufferings. So what is that in your life that I will ask for you in the morning? From before your birth, what you still as a wind with you draw. What are the strong points, the good things from before you were born again that you didn't lay down, you just carried it into your new life? Do we just try to build a better and better CV? Groot Christen, goeie Christen. Or are we willing to lay down our lives like Jesus laid down his life for something deeper, a deeper walk with God? Okay, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16, and you'll see there that um, both scriptures are 1 Corinthians 4. I've switched it a little bit around. We're starting with verse 16 that says, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Okay, and then, but then I'm going back to verse 9 and to 13, because I was curious to know what, what, does, it, what does it say we need to Im- imitate? Right, and then it says, For I think that God has displayed as the apostles lost, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. The offscarpsel. Okay, so Paul is busy describing their lives. It's not moonshine and roses. He has chosen Jesus, and it wasn't immediately moonshine and roses. He's not prospering. Do you agree? But then he says, imitate me. So what sense do we make of suffering? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 to 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So what sense do we make of suffering? It's, it's almost like when, when we were born again, the Spirit of Jesus was born again in our lives. And it is inside of us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But sometimes our flesh is still covering Christ so much that no one can see Christ in us. 
It's like it's layer upon layer of flesh, of our own will, our own emotions, our own intellect, our own personalities, that we hide Christ in us. It's almost like we are blocking, it's like a filter that's blocking Christ from the world. Where the world can't see Jesus because we are so blocked with ourselves. And, and Paul says here we are like earthen vessels, so erdekreike, that, that, that can crack and the light can shine through us. And suffering helps with that, for us to crack so that Christ can shine through us. About 30 years ago, Linda Lees and I had a friend, um, we were still students, and, and she asked us, um, so what is your source of suffering? What is your source of suffering? And this morning I can ask you, so what is your source of suffering? Because she understood the beauty of suffering, the purpose of suffering in our lives. And she understood that if we walk with Christ, we, we will experience suffering. And, 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 and God, God is going to use that. It has a purpose. It's there to erode the layers of flesh so that the Spirit of Christ can be manifested. Right, so let's read 2 Corinthians 7, 10, 11. For godly sorrow, so there's something like godly sorrow. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. So suffering produces something. It produces something in us. It's almost like I'm a winemaker. We press grapes. It produces something that runs out of that press. It produces qualities in us that we need as living stones in the kingdom. Repentance, diligence. So, is it, is it fair to, to ask this morning, so if we sidestep suffering, could it be that we are also sidestepping the qualities that we gain from, from suffering? May it be that we are sidestepping repentance, we're sidestepping diligence because we don't want suffering in our lives. It's clear there's a difference between godly sorrow and the sorrow of the world. Okay, so if we, if we follow Christ and suffer, good qualities are built into our spiritual character. But if we follow the world and suffer due to our bad decisions, it produces death. There's nothing good about it. Okay, so we need to discern between it. Okay, are we just suffering because we, we make foolish decisions? Do we suffer financially because we've, we've fallen into debt, because we were reckless in, in our decisions or whatever? Then it, there's not much meaning in that. But if we choose to say, I, I belong to Jesus now, and I give my life, and I'm persecuted, and, I, and, 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 and maybe 
I experienced backstabbing from someone. Even in business, you lose money because you have trusted, but your heart has been pure in it. Then it's different. Then it's, it, it, it's actually building something of quality in your life that you might not see in the moment. But God is you, I will be using those processes to, to, to shape you into a strong living stone in His kingdom. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay, by the way, that's the title of our message this morning. <laughs> when I am weak, I am strong. All right, so lest I should be exalted above measure. A thorn in the flesh was given me. Um, in this room today... There are people sitting here with thorns in the flesh. As I stand here in front of you, I stand here with several thorns in my flesh. I don't understand them all, but over the years I've come to understand some of them. Because God needs to keep me on this growth path of gaining more meekness. Humility. Um, if, if it was too easy for me this morning to stand in front of you to speak, and if Christopher asked me to bring a message and I say, yes, anytime, I'm, I'm always ready, whatever, it would be boastful and it would lack any power. But if I know that most of the time I'm terribly horrified by the idea of bringing a message to you because... There's a thorn in my flesh as well. Then the chances are better that the message might come in power. Because I have to depend on the Spirit. I have to depend on God. I can't depend on myself. When I'm weak, I'm strong. Um, so that's, that's more reason to celebrate suffering Boasting in infirmities, um, taking pleasure in infirmities. Um, it says here, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. How crazy is that? I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. And, I mean, one of the, the thorns in my flesh is, um, I wish I could say I'm always on an even keel emotionally. I wish I could say I'm always on an even keel, even spiritually ready to, 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 to be a shoulder for someone or to, to be reliable. But... But the challenge I face is that from time to time, 
um, I, um, I crash. I crash emotionally where I fall into a pit and it feels like it's very dark and I, 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 I struggle to get out of it. I, I, I try to scramble out of it as quickly as possible, but sometimes it's short and sometimes it's long. But I know that I can't get out of that pit on my own. And that's a thorn in my flesh that I've prayed about so many times in my life. Other people have prayed, have asked for deliverance. Um, and, and I do believe that God can take me out of that permanently, forever, this morning. He can heal me from that. But up till now, I've asked it many times, and it hasn't happened. Uh, from time to time, it happens again. And then, and, and then I'm useless in a way. I feel, it feels like I'm useless in my business. I'm useless in my marriage. I'm useless in ministry and whatever. But, what, but I'm getting to the point where I don't have to understand it. I can start rejoicing at it. I can start and be glad in it that I'm not always on top of my game. I'm not the perfect or the full package for anyone. I am humbled in it, and, and, and I need to trust God to get me on my feet again so that he can use me again. And um, so this is lackery. That's why it's called suffering. Yeah. Suffering, suffering is lackery. So while you're in suffering, whatever your storm is or whatever your challenge is or whatever the thing is that you deal with, the thorn in your flesh, flesh. although Paul says we can, we can take pleasure in it, I can guarantee you it's not lacquer. Yeah. It's not lacquer. Okay. All right. Um, the other thing is I, I do know that I do not cope well with worldly success um, it trips me when I receive affirmation um, even a compliment can trip me it, 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 it bumps me into a pit sometimes um, um, and it's a good thing I think if, if it was different I don't know what type of person I would have become. Uh, I mean, concerning everything or thinking about everything, where I come from, my life and so on, I think, I don't know even if I would have felt the need for God. Um, if it was just fine, if I could take on the... the, the the affirmation of the world and the successes and so on, and go from strength to strength, I think I would have walked away from God at some point. I may have felt I don't need Him. I, uh, I'm my own God in a way. But it's almost like God is harsh on me um, when it comes to worldly success. It's like I, I can't take a little bit of, of, of the glory um, because then I fall in that pit, and and it's and it's bad, but it's so amazing. It's so amazing. Um, so I don't know if it makes sense. 
Okay, so, and, and I mean, I know that success is, is often not good. I see more successful people in the world who has become dark inside, that have lost the light in their lives. And I see more people that are in the grindstones of purification, of life, with major issues that has the life shining from their lives. Okay, so Galatians 6.14 has, has, has personal meaning for me on my road of suffering. But God forbid that I should boast except in one thing, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Right, so has, has Paul been a little bit too harsh this morning? Is the word a little bit too, too direct, too the sharp, the two-edged sword is maybe a little bit sharp this morning? Um, and maybe you say, okay, now uh, give us a break. Let's, let's not listen to Paul any longer. Um, let's, let's switch to someone else. Okay, let's go to Peter. Um, he doesn't seem like someone embracing suffering so much. Uh, remember he denied Christ when, when uh, things became a little bit um, troublesome. Okay, so let's read uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Um, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for, my name, or for the name of Christ, blessed are you, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Therefore, let, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Okay, so Peter says, let suffering not surprise you. Do not think it's strange and rejoice in it. Okay, and then he also, like Paul, he also points out the difference between suffering for Christ's kingdom and, and suffering for the world. And, and in fact, the word suffering, I think is... In, in Paul's first letter, oh, it's only five chapters, but I think the word suffering is mentioned about 16 times. Okay, sometimes more than one, once in one sentence, but it's like four times he speaks about suffering, then he starts speaking about something else, and then he, no, 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 let's, let's speak about suffering again, and then he speaks about something else, and then, no, 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 let's, let's just knock this nail in a little bit deeper. Let's speak about suffering again. So maybe it's important that we take note of suffering, that we take note of the lives of Paul and Peter and how they, how they embraced suffering in a way. And, and, and our response to suffering should be commitment in faith, like the end of that scripture says. Oh, commitment in faith, trust the Creator. 
who guides the process. He is God. I'm not. He's the creator God. And he's, he's creating new things in my life. He's, he is honing away, he's chiseling away things of my life that makes me unuseful in his kingdom. So he's busy with surgery. He's busy in the workshop. And he's grinding away. And he's hammering away. And it's this lacquery. But he wants to make me a strong living stone. Right, so Paul and Peter, as both, maybe they've spent too much time together. So let's seek someone else. What about James? Okay, the book of James. You know, if you read the book of James, you can't sit down. You have to stand up while you're reading James. And you can't be dressed like this. You have to have your overall on. And because James wants to get you into action. Okay. Not only faith, but faith that, that runs into action. Runs into works that sprout from your faith. Okay. But what does he say? James 1, he, he just jumps in with it. First chapter, 1 verse 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. So various trials and the testing of your faith produces something. He says it again. This time he mentions patience. So, I think I think if you think of, about your own life and the storm you might be in, the thorn in your flesh, chances are that waiting is part of that suffering. Praying about things, waiting for the answer, not, not getting a yes necessarily, sometimes getting silence. It's not God's time now, and it's hard to bear, it's hard to bear, but it builds patience in us. I think, um, I think let's, let's, let's stand, like, uh, like James would, would ask us, let's, let's all stand. Yeah. Let's stand. Okay, let's, um, let's, let's close our eyes for a moment. Maybe um, someone on worship could, could come up. Um, I want us to consider our own life story, each one of us. A life story that maybe you've wished that your, somehow your life story would become the model Christian life over time. Maybe... Um, you wished for a, 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 a spiritual CV that could look different from what it has looked like up till now. Um, maybe you started your, your journey with God and it has made a strange turn in the meantime. 
Your offerings has not led you to prosperity. Your struggle, you struggle from the one challenge to the next, and there seems to be no fruit. Maybe you have storms crashing from all directions. You struggle to breathe. Your dedication has, been not re- has not been rewarded with breakthrough. In fact, you experience the opposite. You may ask, where, where is Jesus in the storm? What about Romans 8.28? God works all things together for good for those who love Him. Why doesn't it seem that way? What about God's promises to heal? What about God's promises to protect? What about God's promises to supply in all my needs? Yes, He can. He's, he's God. He's supernatural. He is a God that heals. He's a God that protects. He's a God that supplies in our needs according to His plan, not according to my plan. He's forging living stones that are spiritually pure and strong for His kingdom. And God is probably more interested to purify the gold than to switch off the heat before He is done. And in the meantime, what is our heart, heart's posture? What is our heart's posture in the storm? Is it getting harder and harder? Or is it getting softer? I think that is the, the key question. It's not whether we experience suffering, or whether we have a thorn in the flesh. Or whether we will experience a storm. The question is, what is our heart doing while we are in that place? Listen to what Daniel's friends said. When they were threatened with death, they said, Daniel 3.17, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand O king but if not let it be known to you O king that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up can we say this morning he can heal me but if he doesn't let it be known that it it will not change my worship He can protect me, but if He doesn't protect me, let it be known that this will not change my worship. He can provide for me, but if I remain in lack, let it be known that it doesn't change my worship. Because He is God and I'm not. Last week's scripture, Revelation 12 verse 11 And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. When this is our attitude in the storm, the enemy cannot get to us. 
Because in the midst of the storm, there's a spiritual battle for our hearts. The enemy wants to make our hearts hard and calloused. And God wants to soften our hearts. And it's for us to choose. If we deny ourselves and crucify our self-love, we become living stones and can be shaped according to God's plan. And chances are that our circumstances may not be separated from us. But Jesus promises that He will be with, with us in it all. Nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 8, 35 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it's written. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, not free from all these things, not, not, not exempt from all these things, not sidestepping all these things, but in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The promise we have this morning is not necessarily provision. It's not necessarily healing. It's not necessarily protection. The promise we have this morning is that Jesus will be with us in the storm. And His promise this morning is that nothing can separate us from His love. He loves you. He loves you. There where you are, in the middle of your mess, He loves you. This morning, as our eyes are closed, I want you to think about your life. Name that thing. Name that thing that is your peril. Name that thing that is your nakedness, your famine, your sword, your persecution. What is your storm? Name that thing. And know that that thing can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Praise God for your rods and your ploegland. I don't know what, what, is, what is that thing in your life that you feel like, you know what, if, if, if I was just free of that one thing, so many things would have been easier. But now there's that huge rock in your plowing field. Praise God for that rock. Praise Him for that. Because it, it hones us to humility. And we can't approach God without humility. We need humility. We need meekness. And we gain meekness either by choice or by storm. So if you play your 
verblij jou in jou tekortkominge, verblij jou in jou gebrek. Daar is oorgave en vertrouwen daarin om, om jou te verblij in jou nie perfecte story. So praise him for your loneliness, praise him for your lack, praise him for the thorn in your flesh, and be specific, praise him for your difficult relationships, praise him for your childlessness, praise him for every prayer that's not been answered with a yes. Praise Him for every no. Praise Him for your weak points. Praise Him for the stop streets in your life story. Praise Him for that time you applied for a job and didn't get it and you didn't understand it. Praise Him for the time you trusted for for something and it turned out the other way. Let's not just accept it. Let's praise Him for that. Let's take joy in our infirmities. Die helderheid van ons licht leen ons minmaking. Dis wanneer Jesus alles word. I think it's John that says, He must become more. I must become less. And I want to encourage you, be real. Be real with God. Be real like David, the man of the God's heart. See God, be real, call out to Him. Engage with Him about the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. Jesus is very near when your spirit is crushed. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit, a crushed spirit. And Jesus Himself says in, in Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not blessed are the successful in the world who's got everything together, that's got all the boxes ticked. No, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, I, I trust the Holy Spirit this morning to, to soften our hearts for what God wants to do. I trust that in your life there are things that are the toolbox of God. Tools with sharp edges tools that when God uses them it's not like a it is tough but our response this morning is to first soften our hearts and our response this morning is to say here I am I am not God you are here I am not my will be done, but your will be done. Here I am. 
Hallowed be your name, not my name. Here I am, whatever it takes, Lord. It's about your kingdom, not my kingdom. Here I am, Lord. I trust you, the one who has the process, full vision of this process. You know where you're going with me. I rejoice in my suffering. I rejoice in my infirmities, my shortcomings, my weaknesses. I pursue Christ in me. I pursue Christ through me, unfiltered. Lord, will you do it in our lives, Lord, that you will, you will make each person here this morning a bright, shining light. As you carve away our flesh and our own passions and desires and our own direction and plans and ambitions, when you carve away all the things that, that, that's making us not so useful in your kingdom, Please, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us to overflow with your character, Lord. Fill us with your humility. Fill us with your meekness. May it be that when people look at us, that they will see Christ in us. That there will be less and less of us visible that there will be more and more of Jesus when they look at us. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen.